Well, good morning. I'm Walter Spires, and I am so glad to be with you this morning. It's always it's always a delight and a pleasure to get into the Word of God and teach His Word and help us better understand what He meant for us, communicating His love to us, His plan for us, His plan, not our plan, His plan for us, and the way He lays it out. And you know, it's not always easy to understand. I've been studying the Word of God for decades, decades upon decades, and there's still things I don't clearly understand. But I understand the truth, the things that He communicated about His love, His hatred for sin, His love for us, so much so that Christ came, that Jesus was sent and died for us and, and offers that love to redeem us from our miserable lives lost in sin, redeem us to our loving Father. And people disagree with all of that. All I can do is teach the truth. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God, is what I like to say about that. And so we're going to get into this morning, as we continue this series, The Rainbow Belongs to God, because it clearly does. It was His covenant symbol, His sign, as we saw back when we started this a few weeks ago. We're going to continue, and it's going to get more difficult. And I just got a comment from someone that, you know, thinks I'm being bigoted and um, <laughs> not communicating the way things should be in terms of inclusion of everyone. And I'm going to speak to all of that as we teach this. But listen, people disagree. People do disagree. I'm not here to argue. My 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 calling. My assignment is to teach biblical truth. And I understand that a lot of people, most people, will reject it. They won't agree with it. They may read it with their own bent or their own uh, way of thinking in there because it agrees with what they think. But that has nothing to do with truth. What I think and feel have nothing to do with the truth because I may think erroneously. I may feel uh, strongly about something, and yet it's wrong. It's wrong in the eyes of God. I am not the judge. Even Jesus Christ himself said he didn't come to judge. And for me, my calling is to teach biblical truth, even with the hard subjects, even with the hard things, and that's what I do. So you can shoot the messenger if you want to, but I'm just a messenger God sent to speak the biblical truth he's given me and I hope that many will receive it today. Let me pray us in. Father God, thank you for your word. Your word is truth. And I pray, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, I would teach the truth with integrity, with integrity, not things that I think or feel or my opinions. They don't matter. They don't matter. What matters is the truth of your word and how you shared it with us to reveal yourself to us, your love for us, our rejection of you, and your redemption offered to us only through the Lord Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. And I pray this in his holy, mighty, matchless name. Amen. Okay. I may have to sit down at some point while I'm teaching because I'm about to have some major spine surgery here in a couple of weeks. And I am in a great deal of pain. I'm just going to share with you, and standing is a difficult thing to do. So if I grimace or something periodically, you'll know that... I leaned or moved the wrong way, and it grabbed me. So the Holy Spirit gave me this word 
clearly because this is not the message or the title that I had. And I didn't even think about the word because I know the word is used, but I didn't even really know how it's used and what it meant in those uses. So I actually looked it up and Googled it. And that word is deconstruction, deconstruction. And obviously, if you just think about the word itself, construct means to build up, deconstruct means to tear down. And that's kind of what it means. And so what I want to talk about today was we're talking about these pride issues related to this month of celebrating lifestyles that the Bible teaches are a perversion of God's truth and word of God, what God planned for man. That's what we're going to get into today. Their perversion of that, and people don't like that. They'll call me haters or bigots, all the things. I was called one of those this morning. Um, you know what? <laughs> I'm sorry you feel that way. Um, I'm just doing what God has told me to do from his word. And that's what I'm going to give you this morning. We're just going to look at his word, what he says. But I'm calling this the deconstruction of God's created race. We're, I'm a big supporter and fan of Answers in Genesis, uh, the creation uh, ministry, if you will. They teach out of that. They teach a lot of things. But because I'm a biblical creationist, I believe God created the heavens and the earth, everything within those seven days or six days. <clears throat> and what I want to do that is just help you understand as we go back to Genesis, as they like to say, we go back to Genesis because that's where it began. And that's where God first laid out what he wanted for the, his human race, this race that he created. And I agree with them in their saying that there's only one race, and that's the human race. And all the other things that people call races today are people groups within that race. There is one race. God created the human race. And out of that came from the Tower of Babylon, these different races and tongues and tribes and all the things that have migrated out and developed over thousands and thousands of years into what people today would refer to as races. I think it's better said that there is one race, the human race, and there are different people kinds or people groups around the world. And there are. So I'm going to begin to teach some difficult things now that I have taught and say some things that people strongly disagree with, and I'm okay with that, because I've, ta I've said to you and I've taught you for years, and there are other uh, conservative Bible teachers, and I hate using that label, but let's just say Bible teachers who teach the truth of the Word of God, not something that they want to twist to fit what they think and feel should be right about God or His Word, and they discard all the things that are difficult or hard and skip over those or even tear the pages out of the Bible. But let me just tell you this, and this is hard for a lot of people, even people close to me. The United States is under condemnation of God. Okay? We are a condemned nation. Now, why? And, and I always say, look, we've never been we've never been a Christian nation. That's nonsense. Our Constitution forbids that. We have freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. And there are different religious groups that came in the founding of this nation early on to escape religious persecution. We know that if you know your history, you know that. Not all were Christians. Some were theists, meaning they believe in God. Uh, maybe even the, the God of the Bible as they see it, not the God of the Bible as we see it, because we believe that Jesus Christ and his coming was uh, prophesied all the way back here in Genesis 3 in what's called the Proto-Evangelium. The encounter with G with God and with uh, Satan when he tempted Adam and Eve and those the disciplines that God gave, the curses that God gave him at that time, all the way through. But the United States is a nation that has now entered into what I call national sin many years ago with the legalization of abortion. 
the killing of unborn babies. <clears throat> the rights and people's rights groups never stand up for them. And I'm not going to get off on that because I, I've, I teach messages on that. But that's one of the reasons. And then the legalization of homosexual marriage, which God clearly speaks against in his word. And we're going to talk about that this morning as well. And then the, the adoption of children into those marriages of, of the uh, children God refers to as his innocence, his innocence. That's I-N-N-O-C-E-N-T-S, the innocent ones. And I talked about that a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago now. So you can go look those up there on YouTube, my YouTube channel, our website, onlyjesus.life. You can watch the video. You can listen to the podcast. It's on Anchor Spotify. You can read my notes where they're posted. So, so th that's what I say about this country. And that's why this country is struggling so, because we live in a demonic realm. The demonic realm. What's that? Well, God gave Satan dominion over the world after the fall of man. Satan won at that time. And it's been like that throughout history. Throughout history. Study your Bible. It's the truth. Jesus in John 12, 14, and 16 referred to Satan. He'd already called him the father of lies, the deceiver, all that. He's a liar and the father of lies and deception. And that's what we're under now is a great deception in this world of what real truth is. It is satanic, and it's called the demonic realm or satanic realm. But Jesus said in those three chapters, in teaching his disciples before he went to the cross, so that they would know and understand, <laughs> he said he's the ruler of this world. Because of he was successfully able to bring Adam and Eve down, the perfect creation of God, down in sin, that broke everything. The perfect creation, that broke everything, and so... Satan has been given this demonic realm, and the only reason we're able to function as we have is simply the grace of God. That's the only reason, the grace of God holding back, holding back Satan and some of the demonic realm that all came down. Again, I believe these things, and I'm a Bible-believing teacher and preacher and evangelist. And just a few weeks ago, when I'm looking at the origins of evil in that five-part series, Delivers from the Evil One, we talked about that. So why do I say all this in lead-in? Because that's part of it. We're under a demonic realm. This nation has been judged. I think all these things going on are demonic activities stirred up. Why? Because we're, we're drawing near the end. The rapture grows closer every day. Well, that's, that's true because every day we're closer to the end of whatever, whatever you believe. But we are, in a sense, as Christians who believe in a rapture, and some do and some don't. Someone wait and say it's the second coming, then you're waiting on the tribulation to come. And <laughs> I don't want to live through that, but maybe we will if I'm wrong about the rapture. But I want to talk today, just give you a brief overview of where this deconstruction is taking place. And it begins, as Satan always does, with God's people and in the family, in the family, to deconstruct the way the, the family as God had created it. And so let's just look at it. We're going to look straight in the Word of God. This is not my opinion. These are not my opinions or feelings or my own thoughts and sitting down thinking about this thing, pondering life. It's not. This is the Word of God, and we're going to read it together. In Genesis 1.26, now creation is completed. It's on day six, last day of creation. And God said in Genesis 1.26, let us, meaning the Trinity, that's how most people interpret that. I do. 
let us, the plurality of the three in one triune God, create mankind. Man, it's a man in some versions, but it's mankind, humankind. You mean use humankind, people? I can use people. Let us create people in our own image according to our likeness. Now hold on to that thought because we are created in the image of God. And let them, meaning the people, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, over all the earth and every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. God created us to have dominion. Dominion is a word that's used over everything on the earth. That mankind was the superior creation of all that was created in those six days. Okay, Because we are created in the image of God. We are the only created beings of anything or any kind that were created in the image of God. And that makes us special and unique as people, as human beings, as mankind. Now, let's move on into what is difficult in some people's minds because they want to believe it that way. But there is no doubt, no question, there cannot be, and you find this again on the first page of your Bible in that next verse, that God created two genders. There's so many issues now with transgenderism and gender dysphoria and all the things going on around that. I'm not going to go into detail on that, maybe some other time, but I'm going to walk you through just what God had to say about it. Because I don't want to get into what Walter says about it or thinks about it. I'm going to tell you what God said about it. And, and God said in, in Genesis 1:27, in that next verse, he'd said, let us make man, let us make people, humankind, in our image, in the image of God. We talk more about what that means some of the time. I've taught on that before. We're the only spiritual beings ever created. God breathed life into Adam. He didn't do that with anyone else. So we have the breath of God, that life, that pneuma breathed into us as human beings. But he created two genders. How do we know that? He said very clearly, and then Jesus repeated it. In Genesis 1.27, we read this. The next verse after we're created special, unique in the image of God, we read this. So God did what he said he was going to do. He created mankind, mankind in his own image. In his own image, he created him. He started with a man. One, one. Wasn't some evolutionary nonsense, and I won't go down that path, but that's utter nonsense. It's more of a deceptive lie, the nonsense of evolution. Male and female, he created them. Okay, Male and female, he created them, and this says God blessed them. God blessed them. Male and female, two genders, only one chromosome, in those 23 pairs, differentiating them, male and female, he created them. I don't know how much clearer God could articulate it. He didn't say there were more different ones, other things somewhere in between. He just did not. One other verse I added to that is that in 1 Corinthians 11:12, the Apostle Paul said this, that in a confirming way, he said, for as woman was made from man, and I didn't read those verses. If you flip the page, God created Eve out of the rib of man and fashioned her differently and uniquely, just using the material, the base material out of him, the rib, which had bone and cartilage and tissue and all the cells that we need to proliferate something into a human being. God did that, and he made woman 
who was later called Eve, by the way. She wasn't named Eve or given a name, which means mother of all. She wasn't given that until after the temptation in the fall. Uh, she wasn't. She was called woman. So you have man and woman, Adam and Eve, as we know them. And Paul said that the woman, Eve, was made from man, his rib. But what's interesting is now man, or every man, mankind, comes from woman, is born from woman. It's a binary situation. There are males and there are females. And we'll continue to talk about that as we go through. All right. So all the gender dysphoria, if you want to use that word, that's popular in, in everything that you read about that today, is confusion. And that's what it means, confusion. It's confusion. It's just confusion about, well, am I a man? Am I a woman? Uh, today I feel more like this. I'm confused about that. I have these feelings and yearnings. I have these feelings and yearnings. You know, look, and, and by the way, you know me, and I am a compassionate and passionate teacher. I don't judge anyone. I don't hate anyone. I don't hate anyone. To hate means you're not born again in Christ. Don't do that. We need to love people. We need to love one another. We need to love our enemies. We need to love people who disagree with us like this. We do. We do. We'll talk about that more as we go through. But as I said to you, we live under a demonic realm, a satanic-led demonic realm, and he's the author of confusion. So I believe that what God is saying here to us is that there's just this confusion, which he's clearly said throughout his word, created by this demonic realm, and people are influenced by that. And people are influenced by a lot of things, right? They're, the way they were brought up. When you read and study, as I have, a lot of things about the, the origins of homosexuality, and is it genetic? Uh, is it a decision? All these things, which no one agrees on, by the way. And I've read many, many articles on that. You know, you can get people who are biased toward this because they believe and want it to be this way, or somebody else wants it to be that way. Just looking at what's the truth in there and what do you know and not know, because I'm a well-educated man when it comes to science and things like that. Um, but I'm no expert in that. I'm an expert in genetics, that's for sure. But I understand these things when I read them, what they are saying, and there's no agreement on that at all. But what, what we have then is a, is a world of confusion, and people are genuinely confused about the issue, something as basic and fundamental as the original two sexes, male and female. What I'm, I, well, today I feel like this, or maybe today I feel like that, and I want to be identified today as this, and I want to identify as that. Look, the truth is, the absolute truth is, that God created you, and, and at the moment of conception, and that's when life begins, by the way, at the moment of conception, then your gender was determined. Your gender was determined in that, okay? And we can determine, you know, things even up to days, and it takes a little bit longer to determine the sex of the child, but it's way before they actually are born or emerge from the womb. And it's determined then. So, you know, in terms of what God says, what God says is he has determined your sex. He has. You, you can't go back later on and say, well, no, 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 God screwed up. Well, that's what you're saying. God screwed up. And I really, uh, I really am a woman. I have more thoughts and feelings and yearnings of a woman, and therefore I'm a woman, and I'm going to identify as a woman, or I'm going to identify, and now it's a pronoun thing, which dehumanizes everything and everyone, okay? It does. And my, that is my opinion. That is my opinion. The, the whole thing of pronouns is, is ridiculous, but that's Walter's opinion there. But God said, when you're created, procreated, and you're conceived, and that sperm and egg come together, and there's conception, 
and you begin to grow and develop, your sex biologically is determined. And there is absolutely nothing you can do about it. And you can go have sex change operations and all those things people do, but it doesn't. You may be able to do some functions, but you cannot function as a man. No man is ever going to have a period or menstruate. Not possible. It is physiologically, physiologically and biologically impossible. So how are you going to become a woman? You can't do that. And no woman, conversely, can turn around and become a man. You can't. It just won't happen. Uh, the, the sexual encounters, the sexual organs, all those kind of things, they determine those things. And it's impossible biologically, physiologically, and humanly any way to do that. You cannot do it. You can dress differently. You can do all these things. You can have surgical procedures. But it doesn't change your sex. It doesn't do that. You are a male or a female determined at conception or in that early childhood development by the chromosomes that God decided he wanted you to be. Now, here's the thing I want to make sure you understand before we move on. Look, you're created in the image of God. It's a wonderful thing. It's the most wonderful thing. And he had he determined your sex, your gender, for a purpose and a reason. Because God loves you and has a plan and a purpose for your life, just as he has created you. And you may come out, and as a man or a woman, some are more effeminate, some more masculine. We see that. Uh, but you've given gifts. You're gifted in certain ways because of the way you're born and your genetics, all those things. God has breathed that into your spirit and put that into your creation so that you are going to be unique, one of a kind. There's only one of you. And it's wonderful and it's glorious. And Satan and the demonic realm have told you lies that have confused you to say, listen, no, 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 no. No, that's not, this, you know, you're feeling this way and then fine. And take you down a path that God never intended. That God never intended. This is spoken out of love. Oh my gosh, the love of God because God loves you and he created you intentionally just as you are or were at birth for a reason and a purpose. Now, does humankind or people screw it up? Absolutely. Absolutely. The way that you were brought up and perhaps you were bullied or your mother and your father, or maybe there was a mother or father they had split. All the things that go on in a broken, fallen, sinful world have tremendous impact on you as a child growing up, developing all these things. And so that environment, which some of these articles talk about, is much more determinant in whether someone becomes homosexual. I don't know. And leave that one alone. I'm just telling you that when you were born, when you were conceived as a man or a woman, as a boy or a girl, male or female, God did it intentionally because you are wonderfully formed. He said, I knit you in the womb. I knit you in your mother's womb. You're fearfully and wonderfully made was the expression that he used. Oh, it's a wonderful term because you're wonderful. You are a wonderful created being in the eyes of God, just as you were, just as you were. And I hope that some, if you happen to come across this and watch it or um, listen to the podcast or however you receive this message, I want you to first understand that God created you just as you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. He did not screw up, but you are under the some the power because you submit that to it 
of a demonic realm, of a satanic realm, and a fallen sinful world that wants to totally confuse you and take you directions and places that God never intended. Okay, I'm going to leave it at that. I hope you see there's no hate in that. There's no hate in that. And as Christians, one admonition as we move on to the next point, you know, we do. I teach with, with passion and compassion. So I love everyone. I'm, I'm, I'm sensitive to the needs of people struggling with things. We all struggle with things. This message, this series is only on the pride sins because they've chosen and our government has chosen and all the companies that have succumbed to the bullying and the pressure to celebrate this lifestyle that God clearly says is aberrant and deviant and not part of his plan. So that's why I'm teaching this message. But I'm not uncompassionate toward anyone who's struggling with these things uh, because we all struggle with different things in our lives. So the, our focus this month is just simply because it's become such a in-your-face flaunting it thing that such a small percent of the population will be able to drive the narrative, as they like to call it, and dominate the media, the commercials on TV, uh, companies, big companies, um, big public companies that change their logos to have the rainbow color stuff. And that's why I got on this, because God is angry about that. The rainbow belongs to him. And that's what started this series. But as Christians, so we stand firm in the truth and we speak the truth in love. But we do not back down to bullying or the social pressures or things or pressures at work. You don't. We stand firm in the love of God for all people respecting, but disagreeing with and not condoning because we cannot, because God does not. And so we stand on the word of God and his truth, and we do not allow ourselves to be pushed aside, bullied in that. Um, that's not what God wants either. And so there's, is there a tension or dynamic there? A tension, it could be a tension there. It depends. I don't know your circumstances, but there certainly are. And just things like that are going to happen. It's going to get more tense as we move toward the end, because as I said before, the level of demonic satanic activity has heightened to a fervor like it's never been in our history. Why? Because the end is near and they know it. And so we'll soon be moving into that time with a one world government and Antichrist and all those things that are clearly sp spoken of in Scripture. And you see it playing out. And you don't have to be a believer. You don't have to know anything about the Bible, except you'd see all these things going on. And you think, wow, what's up with that? And then you open your Bible and you look at some of the prophecy and you look at Revelation, the verses I could read you. If we were studying eschatology today and you'd go, wow, that's exactly what's going on today. It is because this is the truth and God is over all of this and will bring it to an end through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior, and, and not soon enough for those of us who are Christians. Okay. The second point. The second one is this, marriage. This one goes back now some time, like abortion goes back 50 years, and that beginning of legalization there in the original Roe v. Wade decision. The legalization of marriage, the, the pressure of that and this agenda, which I haven't talked enough about because of time, but there was a clear, very clever strategic agenda laid out by people, by groups. Uh, that was very, I'm a strategy guy. I was in my corporate life and in my ministry. I'm really good at strategy and strategic planning and things like that. And, and I look at this, and it's brilliant strategy. And it's been going on over decades to slowly infiltrate and kind of normalize, desensitize people to the homosexual agenda. 
Okay, that's what's happened, and it was and there's a plan. You can read it. I mean, I'm not making this up. You can go read it, and I think it was five points. There were two different groups, but one in particular, and I don't, I'm sorry, I don't remember the guy's name that led this. It was brilliant. It was brilliant how to go about infiltrating the normalcy of society to bring homosexuality in that so that it was looked upon as they're the victims and we're the bad guys if we disagree with it. And that's clearly where it is, and that's gone on over, what, 20, 30 years, probably 30 years now maybe 30 years plus, maybe 40 years, long time, but slowly working its way through, and it's happened. Because, you know, just, I don't know, 25, 30 years ago, the, the thought of legalizing in states <laughs> gay marriage, marriage between two men, two women, it, you would, you'd have laughed at that. You said, that's ridiculous. That'll never happen here. It's one of those many things you say, well, that'll never happen here. And in fact, it has. And so it's legal in, in a number of states and God just makes them sad and makes them mad. And so I'm going to give you verses, his words, not mine. This is not my opinion. I'm just telling you, I'm not speaking to my opinions, that God created marriage, the original one all the way through, as a holy, holy matrimony between one man and one woman, one male and one female. And it was always intended that way. And anything uh, that deviates from that is, in fact, deviant or perverse in the eyes of God. We've been in Genesis 1, flip the page of Genesis 2. And as I'm reading verses from 18 to 24. I'm just taking some excerpts out to save some time. This was when the creation of Eve came about, who was called woman at the time. God said it's not good for man to be alone. He needs a, a helper, a partner suitable for him. Suitable for him, meaning one that complements him, the opposite of him, not two of the same, not the same kind. Otherwise, he would have just created another man. You understand that? He would have created another man. He said, I need one suitable for him, complements him in ways that he can come together as one. And for Adam, they went through, God went through everything he'd created, kind of this long list. Okay, well, the birds, that's not doing all the animals, all this stuff. And so God said, I'm going to create this unique, wonderful being called woman, and he did. I mean, we did. We talked about that. Then Adam, seeing her, goes, wow, that's amazing, amazing. What the, this beautiful woman, now these are my paraphrases, what Adam actually said was, at last, at last, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Why? Because Eve was created out of the rib of Adam, which is bone and flesh. Adam was excited, and he said, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And for this reason, for this reason, okay, this is right there in Genesis 2, a man shall leave his father and mother. You see, he's already referring to the family here when there were no fathers and mothers. This is a prophetic word here in a sense. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and join to his wife. I'm God speaking here. And they shall become one flesh. One flesh. So God speaks there of a father and a mother that, well, what's that? There haven't been any fathers and mothers. There haven't been any children. So you see the prophetic word in the family was created here. Father and mother, man and woman, married, becoming one flesh. It's not possible for two men or two women to become one flesh intimately, sexually, is not possible. God created us uh, anatomically and physiologically that we can be joined together sexually, is what we call it, as one. That's the oneness and intimacy of marriage. 
can only happen between a man and a woman, a biological man and a biological woman. But God even referred to father and mother, male and female, as the family, the procreators of the family at that time. It, it just can't be any clearer. Cannot be any clearer. Now, if you want to read other things into it or run find something else, you can. But at the end of the day, you're making excuses for reasons to disavow the truth of God's word, to disobey him and run off into something that he considers deviant from deviated from his word and perverse, a perversion of his plan. That's what those mean. That's what the words mean. That's God speaking. Okay. Now. We fast forward to Matthew 19, and Jesus, who is God, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, he repeats that. And there are often times when Jesus, the Son of God, repeated what was said in the Old Testament to confirm what God had said and done. Because he is God. He's part of that. He was over creation. We know all that. I won't run down that trail. But Jesus is God, but now he's God incarnate. Jesus is the name of the incarnate man flesh, born of a virgin, but born of a virgin and the Holy Spirit conceiving in her. She had nothing to do with it, as some religions teach. The Holy Spirit conceived Jesus, all of it in there. Otherwise, he's partially born of flesh, and that's not right. He was born out of that womb, but that was simply to carry what the Holy Spirit had implanted there and he's a unique son of God, now incarnate in Jesus Christ. So Jesus is that name. And he means Savior, to save. Jesus said in Matthew 19, 5, he's repeating what was said in the garden by God. He said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. A man shall leave his father and mother joined to a woman, and the two shall become one flesh. Right? So. And he says that verse used at weddings. So what God has joined together, let no man separate or put asunder. Marriage is between a man and a woman, one man, one woman, and it's holy matrimony. And it's intended, by the way, to be for life. God never intended divorce either. That's a different subject. The Apostle Paul, reading on that as well. In 1 Corinthians 7, 2, he said this. He was, again, teaching this church. The church at Corinth was a struggling church, and Corinth was one of the most immoral, perverse cities in the world, and it's much, probably much like our cities today. You know, all over our country, there are just cities that are just immoral and perverse politically and socially in so many ways, and I don't talk about political and social things much. Um, I talk about spiritual things, but sometimes they, they read on those things, and that's what we see today. But Corinth was one of those places where they were doing everything. It was full of immorality and adultery, uh, adultery with men and women, uh, homosexuality, all these other perversions, and not just homosexuality, but it was also the adultery, and it was just a bunch of sin, pockets of sin, and I've taught you many times, sin is sin. The sins we're talking about today are no greater in the eyes of God, in terms of being sin, that makes us in need of a Savior, where they are greater is this, the consequences of those sins on people and others and generations around. There are sins that you and I commit that don't impact anyone but ourselves in our relationship with God, or maybe with our wives, or maybe some other person. But we're talking about things that, again, deconstruct God's plan by trying to generationally 
generationally push out there and affect the whole community and the nation and the world that they would understand and believe these things to be truth and acceptable when God has said, no, they are not. No, they are not. They are deviant and they are perverse from my plan for you when I created you. And Paul said this, because of the immoralities, and that's what he's talking about, all the stuff going on in Corinth, the, the perverse, immoral city in many ways, not just homosexual ways, he said this, each man is to have his own wife as a male, and each woman is to have her own husband. Okay, That's man and woman, male and female. You cannot read into that in any way, shape, or form, man and man, woman and woman. And those are totally in opposition to everything that is written in the Word of God. There is absolutely no way that someone can come up with a biblical a reason or excuse or a, a path or a plan that men and women or that men and men and women and women would be married. It isn't there. There are so many others I could give you. I just gave you those to help you see as we as we go through this. There's no biblical precedent nor did God ordain or bless ever a same-sex marriage. It just isn't there. Now, you can, where it's legal, it's legal. You know, things, abortion's legal. You can run killing babies all you want to in this country. If it's legal and you marry same-sex people, fine. You can do that all day long. It's the legal. If you're a, a, a citizen of the United States, you have the rights of the laws of this country that have been passed. You absolutely do. I'm not speaking against that in terms of you can can't do that. Sure you can. It's, it's legal. Is it right in the eyes of God? No, it's absolutely not right in the eyes of God. And that's, again, another reason for the condemnation of this nation that you're seeing, that we are crumbling. We are crumbling from within. And if you're old enough to remember, that's exactly what the old ruler of Russia said a generation ago, that the United States wouldn't have to be overrun militarily. We just would crumble from within because of all of our perversion and stuff, just like the Roman Empire, the Greek Empire. They crumbled from within because of their perversion across many areas, including these that we're talking about today. All right. So I hope you understand that. And again, there's no hate speech in this. I'm just reading to you what the Word of God says. And as Christians, we, we love, we do, we love, and we pray for, absolutely, and we speak the truth in love. But we don't back down. We don't run away. We don't act scared. We don't comply because we're afraid that we're going to get bullied into it, which is happening all the time. See, the whole thing has been reversed. And that's the part of the, the demonic Satan activity is to reverse things. What was wrong is wrong right now. And all they said was right was wrong. We'll talk about it when we get into Romans 1 as I wrap this up, if I get to it before my surgeries. It's all turned upside down. Why? Because Satan is the author of confusion. And we live in a world of confusion and deception. Okay? The last one is children, because what's happened then as you as, as states approve and laws are approved, national laws, state laws, to allow these marriages, then of course there is no way, no way for a homosexual couple to to procreate. Right? There's not. It's impossible. Can't do it. Two men, two women cannot do that. And so strategically thinking and being smart, saying, whoa, whoa, time out then. We need to then be able to adopt. But now we can adopt legally, adopt children. And, and, and why is that a problem? Why is that a problem? Because children 
we're told in Psalm, a gift of the Lord, the fruit of the womb, the fruit of the womb, between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, that gift children are a fruit of the womb. And God said to Adam and to Eve, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, there's two of you, and I believe in a literal Genesis, and most of you probably don't, but it said be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. In other words, you start having babies, and then your babies will have babies, and you'll have lots of babies, and they live for hundreds and hundreds of years, And because it was before the flood. In the pre-flood world, they did that because there was no sun, there was no oxidation, there was none of those things that happened that allowed the long life. Because God, remember, was, created us to live eternally. We, we weren't supposed to die. We weren't supposed to die. Humans were never supposed to die. We created perfect beings, and, and with sin coming into the world, Adam and Eve, that brought death, physical death and then spiritual death apart from Jesus Christ. So understand that. But children were a gift between a man and a woman, given by God, again, to those who now, because of the fall, were physiologically able to do so. There are a lot of people, uh, we struggled early on, who have trouble having children or can't have children, and they want to. And it's really sad to see that, but it's the case physiologically something is not right within the man or the woman where they're unable to do that, and so they adopt. And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing, and uh, we'd love that adoption of children into a godly home and loving parents, that uh, parents, male and female parents, is something, and the Bible talked about that. God said that, um, I love these verses, he's a father to the fatherless in Psalm 68.5. He's a father to the fatherless and a protector, a defender of widows, and a father to the fatherless. And, and James said that pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is what? To visit orphans, to take care of people, children that are orphaned. And, and there are more and more children need to be adopted. And you need to consider that, Christian, if a couple, if you're home, if you can accommodate that, if God puts that into your spirit through the Holy Spirit, then adopting them. But what he never intended was that children would be adopted into uh, homosexual marriages because now you're, you're, you're taking this ideology, which God is completely opposed to, which we haven't even gotten to yet, and saying, okay, it's okay to take these children because it gets them out of foster care, and it gets them out of the social care and all those things. I understand that thinking, but placing them into homes that are, again, proliferating the lie and the deception that this homosexual lifestyle in marriage is something that God ordains or agrees with, that's a lie. It's deception. And now to take children and put them in that, I have one final warning with that, and it's a biggie, and I've shared it with you before. Jesus said, Jesus said that, one, that sexual procreation is from a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. We know that. It's not biologically possible for anyone else to do it. You can come up with other ways that you can do that, because otherwise that whole community would eventually fade away because you can't procreate and create more human beings to keep it going. In Matthew 18, 5 and 6, and I'm going to wrap up with this. This is a warning. This is a warning from Jesus. This is really, really, really something that people need to pay attention to. Because it doesn't just apply in this situation, but it does apply in the case of homosexual and adopting children and leading them down that path to also believe the same things that God considers deviating from his plan and perverting his plan. Jesus said that he took a child. <clears throat> he said, anyone, anyone 
who causes this child to stumble. And it could be a lot of different things, a lot of different ways, a lot of different sins. Who causes them to sin and, and take, leads them away from me. It would have been better off if it had a millstone tied around their neck and thrown into the ocean where they were drowned than it will be for when they stand before God in judgment. Because the level and depth of hell that awaits is, is what he talked about many times. I've told you before, Jesus talked about Satan, demons, and hell more than anything else he talked about in Scripture during his three years of ministry, except the kingdom of God, which was heaven, him, heaven on earth. So hear that and believe it. But his warning about people who mess around with children, it, it, it makes the hair raise on the back of my neck because it is so... It's so uh, um, ominous, and it's so horrific. And those people knew what he was talking about. Many people don't know the millstones, this great big, huge rock. It takes many, many people to be able to lift. It's what you ground. You ground up the, the wheat and things like that, made them into flour. These mills, they were thousands of pounds, and some that you see couldn't lift them up. It'd be better if you had one of those around your neck, and they threw you in the ocean, in the lake, whatever, and you drowned dead, obviously. Then for you... To do what you're doing with children and that influence on children because you're going to stand before the Lord God in judgment that is just too unimaginable to think of. And I don't want to. And here's the thing as I close. It's my invitation. I don't want you to either. And it's a call as I always do to repentance. And I always call people to repent from their sins. We all need to repent from our sins. Uh, as Christians, we keep repenting of our sins because we know that we still fall short of the glory of God at times. But if you are living in these lifestyles of perversion, you misunderstand, people, the love of God. You misunderstand what it is. The love of God was poured out through Jesus Christ to be that redemption, that payment for our sins so that we would be born again, made pure and holy and clear before God. And so whether your sin is a sin of homosexuality and all these other sins of the family of sins within that community, or the sins of adultery and other things that people do who are totally outside those communities and opposed to them, and yet you have your own sins. The call to repentance is just for that. It's for sin. And so I'm not selective sin bashing in this call to repentance. The message is on pride and the deconstruction of the family because God constructed the family and he made it this way, and it's clear in Scripture. That's what our message series is this month. But don't think just because you're, quote, straight, or whatever, or you go to church, or you do this or that, or you're good and you give money, has nothing to do with your salvation, unless you have understood that you are lost in your sin and need a Savior, and you repent of those sins, confess those sins, as the Scripture teaches many places throughout the New Testament, then you will stand before God, just like everybody else, in that, that final judgment, the white throne judgment, for those who refuse Christ, refuse to turn and repent, and receive Jesus Christ as Savior. That's the message of the gospel. Most people don't believe it. Most reject it. Some will call me a hater and a bigot and all the kinds of other things because of teaching that. I am teaching you the Word of God as it's spoken, exactly as it's spoken, without my influences or my other stuff on it. I'm reading Scripture to you and inviting you to repent of your sin, confess your sins, move away from whatever things are in your lifestyle. Those lifestyles are the things that say 
you really don't understand sin and what it means to be born again in Christ. So I'm pleading and begging with you today to do that. Whatever your sin is, to lay it before the cross and, and seek Jesus Christ as your Savior. Because he said himself in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And that's considered the greatest verse of hate and bigotry and all the things that people call people these days, some of which I don't even know what they mean. But Jesus said that. So he's either a liar or he's telling you the truth. He's either the Son of God who can save you because of his crucifixion, his blood and resurrection, or he's not. So you decide. You decide which one it is. But understand that to reject him and to continue in these sinful lifestyles and doing the things you're doing and influencing people, and especially children, you will stand before a holy and righteous and just God and give an account of those sins before you're judged and condemned to hell. It's here. You know, don't, again, you shoot the messenger, but that's the truth of his word. And it's hard. It's hard if you're there. But the good news is the love of God and the grace of God offers that forgiveness and regeneration and making us new because we are born again in Christ. Father God, thank you for your word. Your word is truth. And I pray that someone somewhere somehow comes across this message, whether it's the video or uh, the podcast audio version, however it is that your Holy Spirit would use this to bring uh, conviction and confession and salvation, because that's what you desire. And so I pray for that, Lord God, and help us as Christians to show love and compassion and mercy, just like you have to us, and to stand firm in the, in the truth and conviction of that. For Christ's sake, I pray. Amen. God bless you and have a great week. To learn more about how you can become a Christian or grow in your walk with the Lord and receive freely of all the biblically-based content we have created or donate to help keep this ministry going strong, go to onlyjesus.life. That's onlyjesus.life.